Hi, and welcome to Figure Out Life with your host, Kristen Newtor. Today we have a special guest. Everyone, please meet Lolade Oloo Laimo. She is the Chief Executive Officer of Femme and Flora. She holds a bachelor's degree in the study of human health and sociology from Emory University and is a certifying holistic health coach and doula. She currently works as a nutritionist where she collaborates with her patients on their journey to treat chronic conditions. Lolade is led by a strong desire to help women maximize their potential by increasing awareness about uterine health conditions through education, prevention, and service. Lolade is a force to be reckoned with, and I am so excited for you all to meet her. Hi! Hello! Hi, everybody! (laughs) Nice to meet you guys! We are so happy to have you here. It's going to be good. I'm so excited. (laughs) All right. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Where are you from? Let's start there. Okay. Um, my name is Lala Day. I am from Houston, Texas. Um, by way of Nigeria, by way of London. I never know how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but I am a health enthusiast. I've always been super interested in the human body, how it functions. Um, and I guess as part of that passion, I've dedicated my life to it. It seems like now, it's just mm-hmm. young age, but yeah. Um, and I, um, like she's like uh, Krista said, I um, am the CEO and co-founder of a nonprofit called Them and Flora Incorporated, which is a women's health um, nonprofit by you know that we try to help increase education about uterine health conditions and help women um, maximize their full potential. So. I guess that's the short and sweet. I don't know. So you're a boss. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's amazing. And we actually met in undergrad. I don't yes. really know how, but I just remember you like popped yeah. up on campus and then you were yeah. just like super kind and you had great <laughs> style. And I was like, I like her. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I remember just <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Listen, it's true. And we're both West African, so that helps. We are, yes. yeah. But we were in um the small group on campus together. Yeah. I don't know if that's how we initially met, but I know that that's kind of what I think you're you right. Know, yeah, like how we got comfortable with one another. Yeah. 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 Good times. Wow. Right? Who would have thought? And now here she is. <laughs> and CEO. Here we are. CEO okay. <laughs> Incorporated. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we mentioned your CEO a thousand times because it's very oh important. <laughs> but I want to know, <laughs> I want to know what piqued your interest in health and when did this passion start? Um, I would say it started pretty early on. Um, I think most of us have an experience where someone in our family has a health condition um, and it either scares you or you become a caretaker or whatever. Um, and I had a couple of people in my family dealing with what we call now chronic conditions. So disease of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you eat, um, if you're active or not, things that, you know, I began to learn were preventative. Um, so it was probably like middle school. Um, and I think the other thing that happened concurrent to that was I had a lot of women in my family having really traumatic experiences around pregnancy and birth. Mm. Um, from a really early age. Yeah. And I began to have a fear of delivery and pregnancy. Like every time I saw a pregnant woman, like 
since I was a child. I was Same. Like, yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I'm not freaked out because they were pregnant, but just I would the first thing that would come to my mind is, are you worried about delivery? Like, mm-hmm. are you scared? You know, because I had this lingering trauma of witnessing trauma. You know what I mean? Yes. So I guess that's the early part of it. Um, and then I went to a school that was kind of like a magnet program for um, health and medicine in my high school. Um, and I thought I was going to be pre-med, went to college, was pre-med until um, the, holistic, the human health major became available at Emory, I think my sophomore year. And um, I started doing that. And yeah. Awesome. Oh my gosh, you brought up a lot of things that I don't want to talk about. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So it started from a young age. That's amazing. Okay. Before we jump into those things that I want to talk about more, I want to know how did this start for you? So like your journey with, um, with Femflora, uh, how did that journey start? So... Um, you mentioned that I was um, a certifying doula. That actually started at, on campus. What? Um, yeah, yeah. So crazy story. Um, I I think I was in my senior year, and I was part of this um, student-led organization called Ring, the Resource Insurance Navigator Group, and we were trying to help educate people in Georgia about their entitlements under the Affordable Care Act, um, so that they could get insurance. So that was a like a subsidiary under this umbrella organization called the Urban Health Initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on campus, um, there were several health organizations that were part of this umbrella organization. And the director of the UHI wanted to start an initiative for a local high school that had a really high rate of teen pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And um, it was an under-resourced high school um, and they wanted to find ways to help the girls that were already pregnant, um, support them through birth and, oh. you know, do del- delivery. Yeah. And, you know, knowing my fear, I was like, it was like a free doula course. Uh, wow. so yeah. So I took the course, um, with a couple of other women and by the time I graduated, um, was kind of like when I had started trying to find my footing in that. And so, um, I couldn't really finish it off as I wanted to, but that's honestly what like piqued my interest in women's health, wow. like in a very concrete way. Yeah. Cause it eased my fear. Like yeah. I wasn't as af- afraid of pregnancy once I kind of understood how it's supposed to happen in an optimum way. And you know, that there are resources and ways to support women. So it just helps. It's like knowledge kind of abets that fear that you're yes. experiencing. Yeah. So the yes. more I knew, the more comfortable I became. And I just kind of wanted to spread that information to other women. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's awesome. Cause I mean, facing your fear can look a lot of different ways, but for right. you, it was okay. I'm going to just do it. I'm just yeah. going to get immersed in it and learn about it. Cause sometimes it is just not knowing everything around right. the topic. Right. So, right. okay. I love that you started early. I did not know that was available at Emory. Probably still wouldn't have done it, but I'm really glad. <laughs> I'm really glad that you did and it sparked something in you. Yeah. Um this this topic of pregnancy uh keeps coming up in just um birth and the whole delivery process. Yeah. I wanna dig into that a little bit because it. 
also have the same I still do I like I think it's one of my biggest fears in life is not the not being a mom I'm like I think I'll be a great mom but it's the delivery process that's exactly and it just ever since I was little I'm like this is why is everyone okay with this how is this like, how is how are we all like doing this? Yeah. And it has terrified me, but I I it's hard to talk about because again, you know, like your mom did it, her mom did it, all right. these women in the world are having babies. Everybody and they're not like of a pregnancy. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And so it's just um I don't wanna I don't wanna like little old me just to <laughs> just to be like, this is scary. But also right, it's right freaking scary and so um I want to learn a little bit more about your experience with it your fear around it and um maybe what you've learned that's through your through your program or just through of um of that process so I definitely understand the fear and I think and I, I want to make sure I address this because, you know, we're all now acutely aware of the morta- maternal mortality rate yep. amongst black women. Yes. Um, and that makes it a little bit more yep. terrifying, understandably yep. so, right? Um, and I think that there have been a couple of things that, like, there was a course I took at Emory called uh, Predictive Health. Mm. And with Dr. Lample, loved her. She's amazing. <laughs> um, and we, t- we, st- we took um, a class where we were learning about the Polish famine. And this is like imprinted in my memory because it's what allowed me to kind of pivot from pregnancy to focus on uterine health. And I say yeah. that because the um, class focused on, in that particular unit, we were talking about how women who were um, pregnant during the time of that Polish famine, I think this was during the war, um, and they had been blocked off, so they weren't getting resources into Poland. So there are a lot of women who um, were very weak, couldn't eat, you know, they were rationing food. And so they did a longitudinal study for decades to follow the children that were born from the, those women and their health outcomes well into their 60s, like their old age. Mm-hmm. And um, they had worse health outcomes. Uh, they were more prone to heart disease and certain things like that. Um, And that kind of made me realize how much what happens to our bodies as women impacts the livelihood, the health of our communities, right? Because that whole community for generations was impacted by a lack of resources to those women. Mm. Um, And we also talked about how, you know, when a, 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 a girl is born, she's born with all of her ovaries, right? So... I don't even remember exactly how she phrased it, but she was talking about, and Dr. Lample was talking about how your grandmother and her diet and her resources can directly impact your health, your grandmother, not your mom, your grandmother. Wow. Um, And so that kind of opened my mind to think it's not like, I think that as black women and brown women, when we see these numbers go up, and mm-hmm. the way that we talk about health as far as Black people, it almost leads us to believe that there's something inherently or genetically wrong with us. Right. Um, and I feel like we're not talking about the fact that it's almost assumed that because you're Black, this is just 
how your health is going to be rather than mm. resources, the environment, yeah. the stress, racism, all these things that impact how you live and your ability to like self-actualize and all that stuff. So um, the more I understood the back end of things and how lack of resources and support and all those things impacted health, impacted pregnancy, impacted birth, I was like, okay, let's focus on what happens before mm-hmm. we get pregnant and let's try to address those things and support women before it even becomes an issue because if mom is healthy pregnancy is more likely to be healthy delivery is more likely to be healthy baby's more likely to be healthy right um so that's kind of my thought process um and that's also what's made it i mean it, there still is this challenge right like we're we're seeing yeah you know, black women become victims of like our healthcare system. But um, I remain hopeful that, Mm -hmm. you know, if we can get the right people on the ground and we can um, advocate on behalf of ourselves and our community, then we can see some, you know, a turnaround in what's happening. So I don't know if that answered the question. It's like a really long winded. Oh, it a hundred percent answered the question. I, it's so such an interesting and helpful way to think about it of, our health as women like directly affects the health of our societies and our community right. and like very directly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't always think about it that way, you know? Yeah. Um, of, I mean, you know, you want a healthy family, you know, you care about the health of society, but don't, I don't always think that that starts with me and my health you know right um so you you mentioned that you know your you resources mm-hmm. for women is a big way to like a good step in the right direction right? right so what kind of resources are you talking about um so i think the most basic one is education. Yeah. And it's not basic, but it is (laughs) Mm -hmm. because education and awareness is something that we see happening all over our timelines every single day. We're all engaged. um, And especially at this point, all we have is like what's happening virtually. Right. So Mm -hmm. we're all on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, you know, what have you. And so I think using those mediums to get information out is so key. And, Um, We're in the information age. So I think that that's like one very basic one that we can, you know, effectively tackle. Yeah. Um, And then I think other things like another key um, moment for me um, at Emory was I took a course called, and I I feel like I'm being a poster child. I know. Just like, stop. (laughs) Emory will do that to you sometimes. (laughs) I'm wearing an Emory <laughs> shirt right now. <laughs> like, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like, like I'm plugging, plugging, plugging. You're going to pay me. Right. <laughs> Take but, away some of that loan. Yeah, right. <laughs> we could start there. We could. <laughs> I took another course called Social Problems, which is like a mini-master course that happened um, at the end of fall semester, and it ran through the middle of spring semester. Um, and we spent two weeks in the city of Atlanta and we visited like a spinal injury center and a prison um, and a women's shelter, all these different Um, social problems, discussed it, wrote papers about it. But the one that stood out to me was the um, urban farm. 
because mm. one, I'd never seen that. I had no understanding of what that was. And it introduced the conversation of food deserts in a way that was like so tangible because I hadn't learned that, you know, there were people that didn't have a grocery store within yeah. two miles of their house. And even if there was one, if they didn't have a car, you know, if people are relying on public transportation and they go mm -hmm. there and how do they get all the groceries back, you know, because they don't have a trunk. So you're, you're limited in how much you can carry. And oh, it's yeah. just this like cycle, you know? Right. Um, so thinking about ways to um, help people understand access to food and then what to do with it. Because if what's available to you all the time is fast food, and even when your family's cooking, if we have these, this, uh, these recipes that have been passed down from generations of really delicious meals, yeah. but that were used you know, at times when we were really under-resourced and mm -hmm. lacked resources and had to right. scrap around. You know? So even thinking about the use of lard, um, and, you know, excess parts of animals and flour to make things bulkier so that you can eat more instead of just the chicken, you have all this breading and, you know, it's a complex web, right? That we don't oh, Yes, what? You know? <laughs> so, Wait, soul food is for survival? Soul food is survival food. Who would have thought? And that happens all over the world, but sometimes, yeah. you know, we just, we just see it as part of a culture and we don't think critically about how it exists and mm -hmm. how it got to our plate, you know? Yeah. So if that's all they choose to eating and that's all your family eats and of course it tastes delicious, like it may be a little bit more difficult to think about like how to make that pivot to something that, you know, isn't survival. Well, I guess it still is survival food, but yeah. in a different way, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, to reduce, you know, complications in your health and things like that it can be really challenging and you have to have a certain degree of cultural awareness and be involved in it's so complex so just breaking those things down into really simple you know conversations that is really accessible that's engaging that's interesting you know i think those are the way those are the types of resources i'm talking about so mm -hmm. largely education and awareness yeah if i had to sum everything up but for pregnancy i think doulas talking about midwives, you know, different opportunities in birth. Cause I think the other issue um, or challenge that I see with pregnancy is that first of all, women have been giving birth since the dawn of time, right? We, right. <laughs> we haven't always had hospitals to mm -hmm. deliver. Mm -hmm. um, so our bodies know what to do. I, and I, I say that I hesitate in saying that because of course having hospitals to an extent yes. has reduced the amount of, you know, accidents, I guess, and helped a lot of women recover after yeah. birth, which can be a traumatic event. But um, there are lots of ways that we need to think about and challenge our understanding about the hospital system and birth that mm -hmm. I think um, can help liberate a lot of women. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's great. And I was thinking about that the other day. Um, I was talking with a friend who just had a baby and did a natural birth and was highly recommending it. And I was like, great, I'm not even there yet, but <laughs> thanks for the early, <laughs> I mean, education is always good. Right, right. Um, but I mean, I think for someone like me, right, who was slash is overcoming her fear of that event. Yeah. Um, and knowing that like, hospitals have its issues but like it's like a structured 
thing that we're all used to. I'm like, I, yeah, I, I think I can trust that. But I also yeah. have heard of all the benefits of giving birth naturally. Yeah. Um, and, you know, having a doula and all of that. So what are maybe some of the pros and cons of each process and Ooh. noting that every, I know this is a, this is a random <laughs> question. Sorry. You no, can prepare ahead. for this. Um, <laughs> but, um, but like, we, we know that every woman is different and this isn't saying like, okay, do one versus the other, but just, right, right, but just an understanding of like what each one provides. Right. So I think one thing that we can start with is, um, mid- like I said, midwives have always existed. Um, yeah. And so there are a lot of ancient and traditional ways that um, midwives have been taught to assist women during birth. Um, mm-hmm. And um, not everything. I think one thing I find challenging about our, our understanding of birth currently is it's almost like we medicalize it, right? Birth is like a condition. It's not, pregnancy is a condition. It's not like, you know, you crawl, you walk, you get your period, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. seen as really a part of life almost in the way that we treat it. And I get it because it's complicated. It -hmm. can be a dangerous process, but I think that the more that we understand that there is a way to support a healthy delivery. Um, we don't have to use all of the interventions that we're using during the birth process. Mm. Um, because I think some of the, the downsides of pregnancy in a hospital is one, a lot of times women feel they're scheduled. Um, the C-section rate is extremely high, extremely high. Um, it's one of the most performed surgeries in, yeah, in the United States. Um, and not everyone needs a C-section, but it's convenient because, you know, the doctor can say, okay, your C-section's at nine o'clock AM. I know Mm -hmm. it takes this long to perform it. We stitch you up, you're out of here. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that in some ways we kind of, you know, force the body to do things that's not prepared for. And then we inject all sorts of things that, you know, we've seen, some studies have shown can be, you know, detrimental to the baby or, you know, C-section is not introducing the baby to the vaginal flora, like the bacteria that, you know, babies kind of need to be exposed to when they're coming out vaginally. Mm. Um, so there are lots of things, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. I think we know about, we've talked about the rates of maternal um, mortality um, happening and just like the lack of like listening because it's almost mm. like the doctor is you know, the one with all the knowledge and the power in that room. So sometimes it could be intimidating for women to speak up on their, on behalf of themselves. Um, But I think some of the benefits to natural birth, um, like I said, you know, that introduction to that um, bacterial flora, um, a lot of times you can control what's happening in your environment. Um, It's not like all these lights, you're not, some women can birth standing up, you can birth kneeling down, you can birth in whatever way feels comfortable to you Mm -hmm. um, instead of like being forced to lay on your back. Um, And I I follow some pretty good, I can send you pages if you'd like of some, you know, really educational um, pages that, so you can provide to people because I'm not in any way an expert on all these things. And there are people that can speak to this far better than I can. But, you know, like you said, I don't want to 
um, pressure anyone into making a decision that they're mm -hmm. uncomfortable with, you know, if you're, cause you can still have like some places allow water births and places like hospitals allow you to be a little bit more flexible. Um, but it's really about educating yourself as much as possible yeah. and just figuring out like what makes the best, you know, sense for you. So mm -hmm. Like I said, I'll send you some of those things if you need yeah, to. Yeah, awesome. Know. And then I can I can post them along with your your episode. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that's super helpful, though. Honestly, I um, something that I've personally been thinking about a lot of like, okay, I know the benefits of natural birth. I know like my fear around this. Hmm, maybe like first kid hospital. Then I'll know kind of how yeah. second kid. Like I've literally <laughs> been strategizing that, my. Yeah future that doesn't exist um <laughs> i mean but we have to start talking about it now yeah, we do you know? we do and it's yeah i was just gonna say and we're not like as exposed to these things as me, right. we might have been 100 years ago or 50 mm -hmm. years ago when mm -hmm. people would just come over to the house and you're there with your mom seeing the birth of your sibling or something exactly. like that you know so exactly. we have to try to normalize talking about these things very early I agree, actually, because it, it wasn't something, and I, I, I'm going to, like, I don't know if I'm doing a psychoanalysis thing right here, but, like, I think, <laughs> like, part of, like, the fear is that it's something that is deeply unknown to me, you know? It's yeah. not something that is talked about a lot. It's not something that I see a lot. Like, I remember... I watched an episode of The Resident because that's as close as I really <laughs> get to that world. And yeah. <laughs> um, they they actually did one on the Black um, maternity mortality mm. rate. And I was in tears. And for those people that don't know me, like, I don't, I don't cry, which is another <laughs> unhealthy thing probably, but we can talk about that in another episode. Yeah. But like, I don't, really cry and I was literally like sobbing on my couch and it was like so deeply personal to me I'm like that could be me but then there's also like but that was my first time seeing that yeah. you know and so I'm just I wonder like if it's something that you know we talked about more we saw more not just the mortality rate but just pregnancy in general yeah the yeah. fear around it um or just like the lack of understanding around it would just grow let me say the understanding, around the it understanding yeah, of it would you. grow <laughs> thank you <laughs> um and um yeah so i i just think it's something that we need to talk about more and we need to yeah. um like i i grew up in an african home we 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 didn't talk about this I don't know if I don't know about your home. We didn't talk about anything like sexual health, like yeah. body health related. I didn't have any of those talks. So Girl. then I'm over here just trying to come up with my own conclusions. Yeah. And it's 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 not I mean, you have to start to do your own work, right? right Which right, is right. fine, but hopefully we start to like move towards like this is a more normalized thing. Right. Earlier. That's the goal. That's the goal. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if I don't want to like jump the gun, but I think that's kind of what prompted the conversation around Femme Floor. And I feel like you asked me that, but I did not answer that question. Oh, that's <laughs> true. Let's let's before. answer it now. <laughs> um I've been talking so much. Um so yeah, I think like I said, um, 
I kind of wanted to start the conversation a little bit earlier. And Mm -hmm. actually what prompted that was I was at a house party with a friend and the woman um, who was a housewarming, the woman, the host was pregnant. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was still, you know, very intentional about pursuing like, you know, completing my doula certification at that time. And um, so I was just asking her questions and she told me that she had fibroids and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just asking about her pregnancy. She was like, yeah, it's been really uncomfortable and scary because I have fibroids and there are about three of them and it's very painful. And I think, you know, we're going to have to induce really early on or get a cesarean section Mm -hmm. because the doctor's afraid that if I deliver it term, it can be very dangerous to me and the baby. Mm -hmm. So, and she was 29, I think this maybe two years ago. So in my head, I'm thinking, that's not so far away, like 30 mm-hmm. like forever, like mm-hmm. so far away at one point, and now it's like coming up. So I was like, I wonder when she learned about her fibroids and like what information she had to like prevent them or reduce them. And like, if she had got, so my brain is thinking about like everything that happened up until the point that they learned that they're pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just decided, I was like, you know, I have all this information about health and wellness and, you know, a little bit of like doula information and pregnancy. Like, I think I want to start having this conversation with my friends um, because I find that like, we're not talking about any of this stuff. Everyone just thinks like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, I want to have kids at this age. And like, it happens that way. Like, you know, there are a lot of challenges, even with getting pregnant. Talk to us about pregnancy and delivery. Like, mm-hmm. So I, was, I just felt like there was this gap in our understanding about our bodies and yeah. what happens up until the point, if you decide to get pregnant, like what happens up until that point? Um, and so I wanted to have like an event, like a workshop. I was going to invite like, you know, close friends and women that I knew in the area and just have like this cute workshop and throw some things together. And so I was looking for um, someone to help me figure out food and someone to help me figure out, you know, these things. And in the process, I um, came to know my co-founders, Crystal and Brittany, who are amazing, amazing, amazing women. I can't speak highly of them enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And what what was supposed to be an event snowballed into a nonprofit. And (laughs) that's uh, how Feminine Flora was born. So just addressing the gap in our understanding of our bodies, you know, from puberty up until pregnancy, really. And um, mm-hmm. so I think our target demographic is probably women 18 to like, you know, 40, maybe 35, yeah. I'd say. Um, but I think even trying to figure out ways to get that information to young girls is like, a, you know, a, a different passion that I have as well. So yeah, that's such a needed space to be in, though. <laughs> it really is. I'm so thankful that you exist. I learned so much from oh. your page. Oh. I'm like, mm, bookmark, hold up. I need to revisit <laughs> this. I didn't know this. Yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned fibroids just a little while yeah. ago. Yeah. And um, that was something that you posted about recently as well. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah. So it's perfect because July is actually Fibroid Awareness Month. Um, wow. You know, perfect What about that? Yep. <laughs> So fibroids are benign tumors that grow in or around the uterus. So they can grow um, in the lining um, externally or internally to the uterus. And um, they uh, range in size. And for some women, they like fluctuate um, in size. So it can go from a couple of centimeters to like, I've 
to a golf ball size. Mm. For some women, uh, you won't, I think about 80% of women will have fibroids um, over the course of their lifetime. Um, But um, for a lot of people, you won't feel it. Um, Sometimes they're asymptomatic, but for some women, they can grow so large that it distends their belly. So it can give some people a like a false pregnancy look yeah. or it's like sensitive to touch. It can make your cramps really uncomfortable. It can make you cramp. And so I think that's like another challenge is like, I think and I'm getting ahead of myself, but fibroids bring up a separate conversation about <laughs> yeah. how we have normalized pain. Mm. You know, women just believe that I have cramps you know, that is my destiny. That's just the consequence of having a period. That's just consequence of having, being a woman, um, Mm -hmm. or menstruating. Um, and it's not true. It's not normal. Oh, it's normalized, but it's not normal. Oh, is my opinion on it. Like if you had, you stubbed your toe, right? Mm -hmm. That's your body communicating with you that something is wrong, right? You don't just, you, you hit something, right? You don't Mm -hmm. just say, oh, that's the consequence of having a foot. No, (laughs) something is wrong. (laughs) Something is wrong. Um, we need to look into it. We need to address it. We need to move the dresser. We need to ice this, like something needs to be done to address this pain. Um, and so for some women, it could be fibroids. It could be endometriosis. It could be, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be, but it's not normal. It's normalized, but it's not normal. So yes. that's why I love, you know, these awareness months and talking about this yeah. stuff because your pain could be a fibroid. It could be something, but we need to get this information to our community so that they can learn enough to advocate on themselves, do their own research, figure out what's going on. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that just hits back to the point about information and learning about these things because it doesn't only just like increase your understanding it could decrease your pain it could save your life even it could save your life (sighs) yeah man (laughs) i feel like i'm learning so much like (laughs) listeners can't see my face and my eyes keep getting me i'm like what (laughs) they are i'll advocate for her yes no surprise but yeah this is so good um so why do you think that there's a stigma around the, this topic? And have you had to overcome that in any way just on your journey? Oh, yeah. Um, I think, you know, without trying to be a social activist or social warrior, you know, we live in a patriarchal society. Mm-hmm. You know? True, true. <laughs> Misogynistic society <laughs> that, you know that stigmatizes women's bodies. Like we're forced to live in a man's world. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, one part of that is we know what period blood looks like, right. We deal with it monthly for for however often, um, if you're on birth control or whatever, but when we see commercials on TV, it's blue. It's like Gatorade liquid that we put on like pads and tampons. What is the, why do that, is it like offensive to you? Why can't we just do, I I guess. Something red. Hello. It, it it makes it difficult. It's very subtle things like that. Or, you know, everyone's had this experience where you're like in middle school or high school or work or wherever. And you ask, you whisper to your friend, do you have a tampon? And you Mm -hmm. slide it in your sleeve or Mm -hmm. sneak it into your purse and run off to the restroom. Yeah. Everything about like 50 or 
a majority of the world menstruates. Yeah. So why is it so crazy for so us taboo. to ask yep. for a tampon yep. you know, in public? It's oh, like yeah. such a shameful thing. And, you know, even when we're growing up and like, you know, as everyone's trying to figure out how to um, maintain their, you know, their menstrual hygiene, if a girl had like a stain, it's like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. we make it such a like shameful thing. Like we're conditioned to believe that our bodies are gross and disgusting and like this needs to be segmented. And all. so if we've been raised our whole life, like with that understanding about our bodies there's no wonder it's so shameful and taboo and um there was a long time ago I was uh there is a friend we're not friends anymore but this guy um he hated girls talking about their period Uh he's like don't call it that you're supposed to say you're on the rag or it's that time of the month or you know, he was like you're not supposed to say period that's so unladylike and I was like excuse me excuse me Pause. Unladylike. It's the most ladylike thing. (laughs) And this is coming from someone who has a child. So I'm like, (sighs) you know how. Okay, I'm just not even gonna get into that. But yeah, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of, and I'm not the type of person that's gonna allow a guy to tell me that my, you know, my body is shameful. But for a lot of women, you know, we buy into that. And yeah. You know, our parents, our mothers, our sisters, everyone around us is telling us that like saying period or talking about what's going on is just so shameful, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's no wonder that like it's, and I've experienced all that to answer your other question, you know, um, I have experienced that like shame about talking about my body and, you know, being comfortable with it. And I remember in um, middle school when I first got my period, um, I like woke up and I was like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. Went to my mom's room, she was at work. And I was like, okay, find one tag, read the instructions on the bag, do what yeah. you do, took one. Um, got to school, I only had the one. <gasps> I didn't know how much, or, you know, it's my first, it's my yeah. first radio. And I went to the nurse's yeah. office and she's like, I'm sorry, you're supposed to provide that for yourself. We do not have extra uh, pads here. So I had to call my dad. I, to, um, I called my mom, did not yeah. call my dad. She was at work. She couldn't pick up. Called my dad, and he comes to school with this padded, like envelope, you know, with the bubble wrap on the inside, oh thick my. envelope stuffed with pads. Yeah. And he's like, "Why didn't you tell me that you start?" I just grabbed it from him, and I was like, "Dad, you can leave. <laughs> he <was> like, <laughs> you can go. I- I'll take care of this by myself. I don't want to talk about it." Um. So uh, yeah, I definitely experienced. Some- yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah. also, yeah, no, I I feel that a hundred percent. It's like there's so many things within that. Like one, why couldn't the nurse provide sanitary pads or tampons? At school. At school. They need more resources or they, they need, need to change that. Right. <sighs> I believe okay. they should be free, but that's a I, different conversation. Oh, no, but I'm it's with different. you on it. We don't have to talk about it, but let's just <laughs> yeah. say it now just that they that. should be free. <laughs> it's just, yes. Um, also, like, you didn't really want to talk to your dad about it, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's this thing where it's like, you want to talk to another woman. Right. Because, like you mentioned earlier, it's such a segmented yeah. conversation topic. It, experience for us but yeah. it should it shouldn't necessarily be that exactly. way exactly. um 
So yeah, I I can relate. I can relate <laughs> in so many ways. I remember like growing up, and you just like you like you whispered, "Is there is there anything on my butt?" Like yes, can you can you check? Can you walk behind? Oh my gosh. We all have the all time. of our tricks. Do you just go, move around your yeah. feet, feel around mm-hmm. for moisture, w- walk around with like a a jacket around your waist? Yep. Like, yep. We've all been black <laughs> every day of that week. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh I'm not gosh. like. <laughs> no, I'm not playing with all the extra. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There, there shouldn't be shame around it. I mean, it, it's so natural. Um, yeah. So, education, education, education. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I'm loving this conversation. It's I am too. literally making my day. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know I needed this. Um, yes. Uh, I wanna, I wanna make a shift. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> I'm gonna bring up this topic before we we close with our curveballs, like we always do. Okay. Um, I mentioned earlier that you're also West African. Yes. Um, Nigeria, stand up. <laughs> yes i will i will represent for you guys i'm no it's okay it's fine Rep it's fine set, it's all girl. love it's set. all love i represent ghana proud but yes, then when we talk we about it. jollof rice okay I then mean, we don't have to go there we but we don't have to go love. there we can just we keep don't... it with the unity and love you know? we can keep it in unity and love but we all also know <laughs> Which one's better? I'm, it's fine. It's fine. Or we yeah, can just like um, deviate and say that like pick another country that's better. It's it's Senegalese, anyways, right? Yeah, I so, mean, originally, it's not about who did it first. It's about who did it best. And we don't have to get into that. Okay, we won't. Like said, yeah, we were in a good place. <laughs> Let me not derail. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, anyways, back to our <laughs> back to the veg- regularly scheduled program. Um, yes. So you grew up in a West African home. Yes. And um, you mentioned earlier, and I, I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget um, that you were originally pre-med. Mm-hmm. And then you made a shift. Mm-hmm. Still kind of related, but a shift. Yes. And I know I'm not like, this is like a generalization so let me know if this is not your experience but i know that typically you know it's like they they want us to be like on parents want us to be on like a pre-med track or an engineering track or there's like the top three yeah um and law is the third one so you're doing something slightly different Mm -hmm. um was that a challenge or an obstacle for you as you're like on this new journey? Yeah, it's actually still an obstacle okay. for me. And I, I I don't think that honestly, my parents have been really supportive because I've had a very strong, like I said, interest in health for a long time. But mm-hmm. I just I've even when I was pre-med, I didn't want to work in a hospital. I just mm. didn't like how sterile they were. They seemed so sad. It I have so many criticisms about the healthcare system. I think it's more of a disease care system than a healthcare system, you know, but that's another, huh? another conversation. Another day. Um, but <laughs> I, um, I just didn't see myself working in a hospital setting. Um, and as I've gotten older and like, even in conversations with my mom, she's always said that, you know, like 
you used to draw a lot when you were a kid. You were so artsy. Like, mm-hmm. I wish I, like, stoked that, you know? Yeah. So I don't think it was necessarily that my parents pressured me, but um, at the school I went to, I was in all AP classes with other students, and a lot of the students in those classes were immigrants. Yeah. Um, so most of us were in that track, and I feel like I felt pressure from friends and classmates and colleagues and just, like, society my society that's what everyone was doing yeah. and i couldn't conceive of anything outside of that mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah so even though there are all these job opportunities for like that doesn't exist in <laughs> yeah my like network sphere yeah know? yeah like i don't know i didn't know how to like make that tangible or real and because i already had this interest i was like okay like why not you know mm-hmm. um but I think even now, like, I, I feel myself transit, like, I'm trying to figure out ways to, like, maintain the health space and still make professional shifts, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a challenge of its own because it almost feels like an assumed identity. Like, mm. healthcare is, like, part of my identity for yeah. <laughs> X amount of years of my life. So it's yeah. difficult to make that shift, but... I, 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 I'm trying to make it. I don't know. Like, I'm still figuring it out. Like, yeah. I thought I would have life figured out by now, but this is what we're doing. Figuring out life. Figuring out life. Figuring out life. <laughs> we're doing it together. <laughs> yes. It's, it's real. So, and I, yeah. Yeah. I think you're figuring it out really well. I mean, oh, from what I've been able to see <laughs> and what we've heard today, it's like, you're on such a journey and like, The thing that excites me about life is, you know, everything is a journey. You build and you build and like where you are now, you ready, like you can already look back and see how you got here and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. But then imagine like a couple years from now, you'd be like, oh, wait, okay, this is all. So it's just like so (laughs) exciting Mm -hmm. to look back and look forward and know that like we're we're figuring it out as we go and it's all going to make sense. We're figuring sense. it out. Yep. Yeah. So I'm and I mean, it. yeah. You know, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, go. Um, I was just going to say that while you're in the process, like for younger people who are listening, um, while you're in the process, it, it, it can look really crazy, yes. right? Like you don't really know what you're doing. And then when you have experience under your belt, and you have like your personal and professional resume of sorts to look back on, it can Mm -hmm. be really encouraging because you start to see the links. Like when I was doing the dual, I didn't know, you know, like I was doing the dual program, but this is where I'd end up or like the traumatic stories around birth. Like those were just traumatic stories at a point. Like I didn't think it was going to inform what I was doing now. Right. You know what I mean? So you just have to like, continue to I'm very motivated by my future self and also motivated by like my younger self who like you know was so eager to like make something of herself so I want to like make her proud Mm -hmm. like I'm also excited of meeting about meeting what's happening in the future because I have this like repertoire of experiences that lets me know that you know things are going to be okay like yeah just just trust the process yes Ah, trust yeah. the process and no I think you said something really valuable about you don't really know what you're um you don't really know like what you're doing in the moment but then <laughs> but then it links you know right. over time and I think like yeah, when I was yeah, little yeah. I would look up at like 
people who were in their 20s and 30s. I'm like, they have life figured out. And I... Bruh, let me tell you. <laughs> lies, lies. <laughs> we're here now and we're saying lies. It's lies. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> but like, it's, it's cool. Know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> still feel so young at this exactly. age. I was going to be grown. We the thought time we I thought were I was grown, I was like 18 or 19. Like... So wrong. We were I'm so still wrong. not grown. Like, yep. I don't know when it's gonna happen, but yes, we're just figuring it out as we yes. go. Yes. And there's yes, beauty yes. in it. Sure, it's gonna yeah. be curvy and a little crazy at sometimes, but um, it, there's so much beauty in it. So yeah, I agree. <sighs> we're we're doing this thing, girl. All right. So I always like to end um, with a curveball, which yes. what, what I mean by that, it's like a question that kind of hits you from left field, um, kind of like, you know, the curveballs that life throws at you. Um, yeah. So, um, and they're quicker okay. answers, I guess, too. So I have two for you. So the okay. first one is kind of around what we talked about. So in a few yes. words, um, pads or tampons? Uh, can I say neither? Ooh, why? And what? Um, I'm a menstrual cup girl. Oh, okay. I've heard good things. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a menstrual cup girl. I'm an advocate. Ooh. Um, Yeah. Okay. If you haven't tried it. I've, again, I've had lots of conversations around it and I've been open (laughs) to it. And actually quarantine is probably a good time to test it out. It's the perfect time. It's the wow. perfect time. Yeah. This I think they're great. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I know, know you want me to go. I know, I you know you're trying process. to, you're trying to like. <laughs> no, I could go forever, Kristen. Yeah, I know, you could. I know you could. I know you could. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we might need to do a part two later, but okay. <laughs> Menstrual cups. Yes. I like that answer. <clears throat> I'm a, I'm a look into it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Good answer. Okay. Second one is um what speaking of quarantine, right? We're mm-hmm. all um a lot of us are probably struggling to get moving or just really want to utilize this yes. time to learn more about our bodies. So um is there a health tip that you can share with us? Oh, what's a good one? Oh, okay. This one is the little off the beaten path. I just don't I don't Go like for it. it you know yes a little spice so um i think tracking your cycles Mm, is a big tip um and with that comes using a basal body thermometer to get your temperature and can i expand on this one i know please because i'm confused like what is that yeah (laughs) so a lot of us believe that like our cycle revolves around the period right but it's a cycle. So there's all this stuff that happens throughout the month leading up to your period, right? Um, and your temperature fluctuates throughout that time as your hormones change, you know, because you're ovulating, uh, you're, mm-hmm. preparing, you're preparing for pregnancy, your body's going back to that cycle to begin processing ovulation again. So when you're tracking your cycles and you're tracking your temperature, it can help you identify when something's wrong with your body very early on. Um, it can help you if you're having issues um um with your cycle you can present it to an expert who can show like who can look through that and help you make sense of like your temperature your hormones all those different things um it can help you prevent pregnancy it can help you plan for pregnancy 
So I think quarantine is the perfect time because you probably have a little bit more time or time at home than you normally would to get a thermometer. And you just stick it under your tongue in the morning, get your temperature, log it into an app, you're good. And all of that, because you track your temperature and your cycles and your cervical mucus as well. That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I would say track your cycles, get your thermometer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I was like, I could get some exercise tips. I could get some water. You could. You're a pro at that too, but this was yeah. good. What? Yeah. Thermometer ties. To, okay. Your thermometer. Wow. Okay. A basal body thermometer. I have mine by my bed. So I don't forget. And you just do it every morning and you put it in an app or something. I know there are a lot of apps. Yeah. Yeah. For tracking. There are lots of apps. There's like Clue, there's Kendara, there's yeah. Flow, like there are tons and tons. And just tracking that and, you know, it can help so much. Help you understand your body so, so, so much. And the more that you have it over time, the better it can help you plan for certain things over the course of your lifetime. You can yeah. see like what your body looks like last year you know, am I on birth control? What, how's that informing this? I'm having cramps. What time of the month? What did I eat? All that stuff can help you if you're oh tracking gosh. your cycles. Yeah. I think I said, oh my gosh, a hundred times. <laughs> 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 so, I'm just, wow. My mind is yes. blown. So last thing. So we've talked about a lot. What yeah. is your dream outcome for this conversation? What do you want people to step away from after they listen to this podcast? Um, it's so cheesy. I'm trying not to give cliche answers, but I really want to empower. I want people to feel empowered. Mm -hmm. Um, and I say that because I think we put so much trust in other people for our health. Like we go to a personal trainer, we're relying on video, we're going to the doctor. Um, we only have the information that our mothers gave us, but the more that you know about your body, um, the more you can advocate on your behalf, the more you can, you know, make decisions about what you're going to eat, how you're going to exercise, tracking your cycles, what products you like to use for your menstrual care. Like all of it comes from information and like implementation. So just taking what you have and like trying to find ways to make it make sense for you. So I think that that is like true empowerment is like knowledge of self and mm -hmm. understanding what you can do to like improve your outcomes and take control over your body. Um, and so I just want women to feel like they have control and that, you know, they can use that control to optimize their health and the health of their communities. Like we said earlier. So. I love it. Well, yeah. I, as a host of this podcast and conversation already feel empowered. And I think oh, yeah. I have, some homework to do honestly and the good kind <laughs> like not the kind that I really hated to do it's actually I loved homework let me not lie I was a nerd you are but <laughs> it depends on what subject but anyways yeah, yeah. this is a subject I'm interested in and yeah. I'm very excited um to continue to learn more so thank you thank you thank you, thank you for your time this was fun. Of this was fun. This was fun. And you mentioned where we can find you. My um, personal Instagram is L-O-L-V-D-E. The A was taken, so it's holiday, <laughs> but with a V. It's like you have, you have to get creative out here. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for your of time. Of course. Anytime, for this out with me. Yes. Um, and until we do this again. Absolutely. You guys take care. Take Thank you care. So much for having me. All right. Bye, everyone.
Bye.